Hey everyone, and welcome to Hockey News of the Week. Yes, this is not the podcast. Things are things are changing. I'll explain it. Uh, but if you're new, my name's Neil. I'm joined here with uh, my dad, Brent, the goat. Welcome, Dad. How you doing? Great, good, good to be I'm here. Good. I'm doing awesome. Uh, <clears throat> so let's just address the elephant in the room. There or were a lot. There have there have been a lot of changes with the podcast recently. Uh, we're trying to figure out a better schedule a better way to release the content on YouTube to help that channel grow, the podcast channel, if you're not aware. And we were struggling, struggling mightily, but also dealing with other things at the same time off camera. So uh, straight up, and there'll be a video explaining this as well on the podcast channel, but just so you guys know, um, there will not be any more post post podcast for at least a couple of months, likely until April. The reason behind that isn't actually because of conflict of us trying to upload a certain way or anything like that. Um, Jason's actually going through his first, not, well, Jason's not pregnant, but his wife is pregnant. They're going through their first uh, pregnancy. And uh, with their COVID and everything going on, straight up, they have way more important things to worry about than a hockey podcast. And Jason and I talked, and he said he wasn't going to be able to make it today. And I said, well, just, you know, there's been conflicting schedules and timelines and stuff. You have way more important things to worry about. Let's shut it down. Um, I'll, I'll make a video every single Sunday. I'll call it Hockey News of the Week. If Dad can join me, that's awesome. If he can't, no big deal. I'll still do it. So every single Sunday, I'm going to do a recap video like this, recapping the news of the week and going through some of the big stories. Not not necessarily going through game by game like we did in the podcast, but just kind of hitting on a couple of the big stories of the week and uh, and discussing them. Maybe it'll be 20 minutes. Maybe it'll be 40 minutes. Maybe it'll be 10 minutes. I don't know. But uh, either way, uh, I'm, I still want to do something on Sunday on a consistent basis that is kind of like the podcast. So there, there will be nothing on the YouTube side of our podcast, our YouTube channel side of the podcast, until likely April when Jason is a, uh, able to film again and stuff. But I'm going to release the audio version of this for all the uh, podcast audio listeners because I know some people don't even watch on YouTube they they just listen through audio so if you're hearing this if you're in the audio version of this and you're you were expecting the podcast and you're getting this instead well this is what you'll get for the next couple of months I apologize that it's not uh, what you're used to and I'm sure you're so sick of hearing <laughs> about our video side and, and timeline side because nothing's changed on the audio side but anyways dad thanks for joining I appreciate you we've got some news to go through here we're going to talk some San Jose Sharks, some Arizona Coyotes, uh, what else? Pittsburgh Penguins, the NHL schedule, uh, blackouts, some injuries, some suspensions, some potential suspensions, and uh, more things to come as well in your section. So I'll just go in chronological order as far as I have this written down in my notes. These did not happen in this order during the week, but these are just the topics that I want to talk about this week. So the San Jose Sharks. This has nothing to do with series hockey. There is no, it's not really anything to do with rosters or coaches or anything like that. It has to do with branding. And the San Jose Sharks, or I guess they didn't officially announce it, but uh, Teal Town USA, which is a media company or a media group in California who reports on the San Jose Sharks and follows some stuff, released uh, a statement, or not a statement, but a report basically from the team that they are. The San Jose Sharks is pulling out of their deal with Fanatics, which is amazing because I hate Fanatics. So I am so excited for this. I'm going to read through a little bit uh, in, in their article for more context. Okay, so Teal Town USA reports, in 2016, the Sharks signed an eight-year deal with, a fanat with Fanatics to run the Sharks store at the SAP Center and uh, merchandise kiosks around the arena. In an exclusive interview today with the Sharks, San Jose Sharks VP Doug Bentz, We've learned the Sharks have parted ways with Fanatics and are returning to running their own merchandising with a new partner. Effective February 1st, which is tomorrow, ending the deal just halfway through the agreement. Fanatics will continue to be an official partner with the NHL and produce merchandise for leagues, events like the Outdoor Games and Lake Tahoe next month, All-Star Games, and Stanley Cup playoffs. However, the Sharks will now join teams like the Vegas Golden Knights, Knights <laughs> Anaheim Ducks, and Arizona Coyotes in running their own merchandising locally. In fact, only New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Washington currently have Fanatics contra uh, contracted to run their team stores. So what's this mean for fans? The Sharks will now oversee their merchandise designs and manage their own inventory and quality control. This move returns full command of their own products sold at the Sharks store and kiosks, kiosks around the SAP Center and on, and on their site. 
sjteamshop.com. The online ex- the online presence of San Jose Sharks mobile shop.com, previously used in the tandem with Fanatics, will be discontinued soon. Items from the Sharks store featured on the mobile shop website will soon be moved to the sjteamshop.com site. So, uh, I I really like this, and this all stems from just complications and frustrations with Fanatics and customers' experiences and stuff. And the Sharks were just like, screw it. We're, this is ridiculous. We're tired of tired of dealing with this. It's an ongoing issue. We're going to do stuff ourselves. So uh, I know you're not really into jerseys and, and merchandise and stuff, but what, what, do you, what do you think of this? Well, I think it's nice that, that most of the teams already, and now even one team even more, is going to be in charge of their own uh, sales and, and distribution and marketing. Uh, I know your frustration with Fanatics just as a, as a brand and as the quality of their stuff uh, from time to time. And, you know, in one way, it was a nice way to make uh, a jersey material or, or team theme material accessible to a wider base by making really, uh, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, less than game wearable quality stuff uh, to, to a wider group of people. But um, I, I never got it. Now, I know, I think, Neil, you can tell me, Fanatics does business with other leagues and other sports, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. So... You know, here, I think it's, it's just, a, it, I don't know if it's had anything to do with the pandemic or revenue uh, drops or anything like that. But uh, to break a deal on, you know, an eight-year deal, roughly halfway through, a little more than halfway through, uh, is actually, yeah, it'll be halfway through, 2016. Yeah, it's about right. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, it's possible because it was, must have been written into the contract that either party could terminate if they did this, this, and this. And I'm sure the Sharks have done all their diligence on that. And... Uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. And eight-year deals are odd anyway, I think. Uh, why would you sign an eight-year deal? But that was back in 2016 when everybody thought the world was going to unfold in a certain way. So there's probably all kinds of uh, reasons why this is good. I think it's probably uh, a move that will, if it makes you happy, it's probably good for the fan base, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's kind of, if I could describe fanatics, they're kind of the Walmarts of hockey merchandise. And yeah, they sell Adidas and stuff, but the company as a whole just kind of acts like a big box store, and they are essentially an, a big, an online big box store. And Walmart's better. <laughs> Walmart, I've had better experiences with Walmart online and in person than I have ever had with Fanatics. They just their their customer service is, I would say, average. The jerseys that they that they produce are comfortable to wear, but are low quality. Uh, I, I don't mind their hats, actually. Some of the shirts that I've, I've had are, are fine. Some of the sweaters I've ha- had are fine. Um, but just in general, it's a lot of overpriced stuff with egregious shipping charges. And uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm super pumped that the Sharks had the cojones to do it and pull out. And, and despite the fact they, they've done that, it likely would not change your fan experience with Fanatics or your customer experience with Fanatics in the big picture. This is yes. just a a one-off uh, for their local stores and kiosks or around the SAP Center, which, you know, just going to the local Charlottetown Islanders games, they spend a lot of time, you know, with a decent store in there. They they want their fans to buy their stuff, and it's a big part of what they do. Uh, this gives them, this, in this case, the Sharks, more control over probably pricing, uh, quantities, inventories, all that kind of stuff. And uh, these days, when margins are probably tighter, it's likely a smart business move too yeah and it allows them to come up with creative designs in their own their yeah. own end as well maybe they want to do something funky with the design well they couldn't really do that with fanatics because fanatics they provided all the artwork and they did everything on their end the sharks had no control creatively over a lot of that stuff so now the sharks can do put something funky on a shirt and come up with some different sayings and stuff and be a little bit uh unique and bold and, and personable so i really like this move i'm 100 percent supportive of the sharks with this one Cool. Moving on to some other drama, uh, John Chakia suspended from the NHL. Who? So he was the former GM of the Arizona Coyotes. And the headline or the statement is, the NHL suspended former Arizona Coyotes general manager John Chakia, or Chaka, uh through December 31st as part of its ruling on a dispute over his departure from the team last summer. And this is per uh, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, uh, the legend, Elliot Friedman. Uh, so I'm... There's a lot to read here, so just bear with me. 
Uh, but it's all kind of really important stuff, so I want to get through it. The league sent a memo to its teams about the decision saying Czechia uh, engaged in conduct detrimental to the league. It breached its ob obligation to the club and was properly terminated by the club. On July 26th, the Coyotes issued a statement saying that Cheka quit on the team and that the club was disappointed by his decision. In his own statement, Cheka said the team said he left the team due to situation created by the ownership. Shortly after the split, Friedman reported that the Coyotes owner, Alex, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Murello, had asked Batman to adjudicate and the divorce to clarify some contract issues between the two parties. An issue appeared to be whether the team allowed Cheka to pursue other to pursue another opportunity. Friedman reported uh, that about one month before the divorce, another NHL team reached out to the Coyotes asking for permission to speak to Cheka about a job. The request was initially denied but later permitted, and an offer Cheka couldn't refuse was made. Friedman reported that the Coyotes made it clear the title's general manager and or president of hockey operations could not be involved to prove that Cheka was not making a lateral move we actually discussed this on the podcast during this time uh it's kind of crazy that we're still talking about it uh anyways it continues Jake's tenure tenure with the club came under further scrutiny after uh, a hearing on august 6th when the coyotes acknowledged that they had violated the team's combined testing policy during the 2019-2020 season by conducting physical testing on draft eligible players prior to the event at the end of the month the organization was forced to forfeit its 2020 second round pick and the 2021 first-round selection for its actions. No discipline was handed down on any specific individuals involved in the case. In September, the Coyotes replaced Chekia with Bill Armstrong, the former assistant GM of the St. Louis Blues. So we can break this down. Uh, I'm Just the way the article was, was written, it looks like uh, Chekia was probably the person responsible for the violation of the combine testing. Yes, that's what it looks like. It sure does. And I like the uh, no like I guess I'm I'm drawn to the to the sentence where <laughs> you said uh, you know like like the Arizona Coyotes were very in in interested or invested in whatever happens to Cheka they don't want him to be given the same kind of title they had with us because we don't want anyone to think that he wasn't demoted and taken to the woodshed. Yeah, and just in general, I mean, I don't. I guess there's a lot we don't know. I guess I can say that. But still, it's I, I totally agree. I understand Arizona's view of not wanting their GM to go to another team to be a GM when they don't have a replacement ready. Like it's it's a messy situation, uh, and I'm I'm kind of glad with and I'll, again I don't know all the details, and I never we we may never will, but I'm kind of glad that the NHL suspended him because it kind of does look like he quit in the team from the outside. So I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with this news. Are you okay with this news? Oh, totally. Totally. It's interesting. Of course, we're, we're seeing that he was uh, suspended until the end of uh, last year. Correct. Uh, December 31st. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so yes, you know, that that's now over with uh, the suspension, but the fact that there was a suspension, the fact that that's on his file, not that there is a file like that, uh, like there would be in a normal workplace, but hmm. but it's known widely, far and wide, amongst all teams in the league and GMs and everybody else that uh, this guy, this isn't just a dispute over philosophy. And he walked away. He he looks like he presided over, if maybe didn't dream it up, but it looks like he presided over some violations, violations that were serious enough to cost the team a couple of draft picks. Yeah, and he doesn't even, he doesn't even have to reap the consequences because he's not with the team anymore. Yeah, so he kind of gets away scot free. In a way, although he's lost his job, and I imagine yes. his job, you know, he. Uh, that's the other thing. There, there, there are stipulations to any team that might want to hire him to anything. It's like go ahead and hire him, but you can't call him this or that. And I presume you not pay him the salary that he was paying, getting paid before for this or that, because he's just uh, we we won't. We won't allow you to talk to him if, if you're yeah. going to make him an offer like that. So it's like, whoa. I wonder who the team was that tried to contact him. Did we yeah, ever find I, that out? I I don't know. I, I certainly was never following the issue at all. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. 
Uh, all right, moving on to the next news. Jim Rutherford resigns as Penguins GM due to personal reasons. So Rutherford, whose contract was set to expire in June, cited personal reasons behind the decision. He told team president and CEO David Morehouse on Tuesday night and confirmed it again when the two spoke Wednesday morning. It just got to the point uh, that I decided my time was up, Rutherford told the Associated Press. Rutherford, who was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2019, stressed the move had nothing to do with his health. And I noticed you added something to this. Well, yeah, I I had heard that a few days ago that he was going to be quitting and, and not that much earlier, really. Like he was going to be done in June anyway. Um, so hopefully he and the Penguins came to a deal where you know, he'd still get some pay or, or not just fall off a cliff oh, financially yeah. for this. And, and I'm I'm Pittsburgh's classy organization, so I'm sure that that, you know, it's a mutually agreed to thing. But uh, I thought, wow, you know, that's it's odd. Like what would cause you to leave now as opposed to five months from now? Uh, what's yeah. what's what's the big difference? So like now now you have to wonder. Well, is there some big news in his life that he has to deal with immediately, as opposed to having being able to wait? I don't know. I I, I wonder if 2020 kind of changed his perspective on things, and he didn't really want to quit on the team in 2020 and have the team not have a replacement just in time to create, you know, going through the off season and trying to create a lineup for the next season. Yeah. So he waited. He did his job, and now that the season's underway. Things are set in stone a little bit. He can kind of take a step back uh, now and kind of reevaluate his life, I guess, and see what's going on. So I think 2020 probably had a bit of a personal impact on him. I'm again don't know any of this, but just assuming. Yeah, and uh, that's all we yeah. got. Uh, I, I did see in the hockey broadcast last night they were talking about it, and one of the I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Elliot or somebody else had mentioned that the Penguins had asked Montreal for permission to talk to. I think it was Scott Mellonby to see if he would be interested in an offer. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if permission was granted or not, but the fact that we have news of that, I would presume that Montreal probably uh, was gracious and they obviously want to see the people that they grow do well. So I'd be surprised if they said, no, you can't talk to Scott Mellonby because if yeah. they said that, we, we probably wouldn't know about it, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Also, Montreal's not playing Pittsburgh at all this year. So That's right. there's no conflict of uh, interdivisional drama or anything like that. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Next on my list is the odd NHL schedule. So there was one night this week with 13 or 14 games, and the next night there was one. I saw that. And a lot of these games are being scheduled to, have to start at the exact same time, which is something that happened in previous seasons, but usually it was staggered, staggered a little bit more than it is this season. So I just find the entire schedule regardless of the 56 games and teams playing only teams in their division regardless of all that just the amount of games per night and then the following day there'd be basically nothing this has happened a couple times so far it's just strange it and has. I, don't, I don't know why it is strange i think this is proof i i believe that last year when they did the staggering they didn't do it because they wanted to try something they did it because they had no choice because they're only playing games in two arenas and they had to stagger in order to get three games in each of the two ice surfaces in one day. Anything more than three, and you're looking at a really tough go uh, as far as maintaining the ice. So I understand that staggering was absolutely necessary last season. It's not necessary this season for that reason, because everyone's playing in their home barn. So there were 14 games in seven different arenas. No, 14 different arenas, sorry. 14 games, 28 teams in, in 14 different arenas. But they can look after their ice. So that part makes sense that they wouldn't need to stagger. Uh, but but I think the point that, that you're about to make is that why wouldn't they stagger anyway? Because that would allow more eyeballs on the games. If people wanted to watch three games in a day instead of having to pick only one, the NHL, you could conceivably argue, could lose revenue. Well, actually, you're, you're spot on with my point. But I was even talking about not last season during the changes – in the playoffs, but before COVID, there were times when games would start at the same time, but you know, there'd be a game at seven thirty and then eight and then eight thirty and then nine and then nine thirty and then ten and then ten thirty. They even though there were fourteen games going on in a normal regular NHL season, they were still kind of staggered by thirty minutes. And this year, they're just they seem to all be starting at the exact same time, or eighty percent of them start at the exact same time. And it's just yeah, from a business standpoint and a viewership standpoint, why would you not stagger them? It doesn't really make sense. So 
maybe it's out of their control. I, I don't I don't really know. I just wanted to note on yeah. it. And... In the past, I presume that it just had to do with the local fan market. And when during the week, like I know Montreal games would start at 8.30 my time or 7.30 Eastern time during the week, but they would start a half an hour earlier on Saturday nights. Uh, probably due to the fact that they're trying to make sure that the people who come to their games, especially the season ticket holders, could get home from work and changed and then back to the arena or go straight to the arena, whatever, and to try to make it as easy and, and as could have to do with train schedules and the whole thing with yeah. the big city like Montreal or Philadelphia. Uh, but now with no fans, I suppose they don't have to worry about when they start. And I'm like you. I don't know why they would all start at exactly the same time. Everything starts at 7 p.m. Mm. Uh, even the game in Edmonton last night started at 7 p.m. Eastern time. But I guess why wouldn't it? Other than for the fact that Edmonton Oilers fans are watching a game at 4 in the afternoon, which is rare for them, uh, I guess it didn't really make much difference. I know it is odd to be out West. And if I was a Western fan, I might be a little uh, less than thrilled with seeing some of these games happening uh, in the late afternoon for me on a Saturday when they usually would happen in the evening. Yeah. Uh, now, the Vancouver game, it went as scheduled. Or no, they were playing They were playing in Winnipeg, but they played it late. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so so there's another weirdo thing happening. But I guess, you know, obviously Sportsnet, CBC, they needed a late game. I would have thought it would be Toronto-Edmonton because that's the farthest west game being played in Canada last night. However, Toronto-Edmonton might be uh, a less attractive game at that hour than it would be if they've started it in prime time. So uh, there's probably a lot of, you know, people with pencils that have been ground right down to the eraser and to figure out how to do this the best. I still don't understand it, though. I wonder if it has to do with testing. So all the teams are, are scheduled to show up at their arenas kind of at the exact same time. All the testing is done. And that report is set to go in from every single team at a certain amount of time. And then all the games start at a certain amount of time. Then after the game, Maybe they do another test, and all those tests are done at a specific time, and they're all they all need to be reported to the NHL at a specific time after the game. I I don't know. That's the only theory I can come up with. That's but. as good a theory as anything I could think of. the The only other thing I guess I I was thinking of that might be helpful. Uh, does the NHL's uh, headquarters in Toronto or New York uh, is it easier for them to have all their staff there for a three hour period? Uh, for all of the 7 p.m. Eastern start games? Uh, or is it easier for them to have, you know, like one crew could do all that as opposed to staggered games where they need multiple crews to do That's things true. like video replays and things like that? It could be that too. But yeah. it's still, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned uh, the Maple Leafs and, and Edmonton Oilers. We're not going to talk about the game. But I am curious what you thought about the jerseys because they both teams wore their reverse retro jerseys. Did you like either of them? And what was your impressions? Edmonton's, I didn't actually really notice that it was markedly different. So it didn't jump out at me. But I thought on television, the Leafs jerseys looked absolutely horrible. I thought yeah. they were absolutely awful. They might look okay in person. But when I first tuned into the game and I saw this smudge that they, that they were wearing to skate around <laughs> with, I thought, this is... I, I, I was waiting for a close-up of the Leafs just so I could look at the jersey and see what the heck was wrong with it. I still don't know. It was terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it it doesn't look that great on ice. And when I first saw the Edmonton one on the ice, I'm like, wow, actually, I actually kind of like that uh, more than I did from the photos. But someone in my Discord made a really good point is that it's very close to the Calgary Flames away jersey because they're using the Heritage Classic with the, the red, like... I'm wearing the home version, the away version of this jersey. It looks very close to that. And once he said, once that person said that, and I saw it, I'm like, "Damn it, he's right." And now and that's you, all. That's all I can see. And then you couldn't unsee it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. yeah, I have to walk back on my original opinion of the Edmonton Oilers jersey on ice in uniform. Uh, I think it looks way better off ice, just as a jersey, than on the ice. But yeah. Uh, all right. Next up. The NHL and media companies blacking out games, something that we have to deal with uh, frequently, unfortunately. So being being an Atlantic Canadian, I live in Fredericton, you live in Charlottetown. Some nights I cannot watch Montreal or Ottawa play. I don't understand that. I, uh, I don't understand that you can't. I don't think there's been a game yet 
Nor would there be, right, that I can't see the Canadians play. I don't know about Ottawa. That's because you watch on TV, and I watch, I paid for NHL, Center Ice, or Rogers uh, Live Hockey, or whatever the hell it's called. Right. Um, so I would say 75% of Canadians' games have been blocked out so far for me. Now, I can get around this by using a VPN, which I have done, which is legal, and that's what I do. But people shouldn't have to do that. And the other thing people are doing, which is there's more people doing this than using VPNs, streaming the games illegally from pirate sites and stuff. There, I would say there are probably more people doing that than watching games legally. That's a huge problem for the NHL and media companies, and there's no need for it. This whole blackout system is archaic. It doesn't make sense. We can't even... Part of the reason that there are blackouts is to encourage local fans to actually physically go to the game and see it. That's not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons. We can't do that. And I sure as hell ain't going to drive eight hours from Fredericton to Montreal to see a game in general uh, just because there's blackouts. Uh, it's, it's very unfair, especially this year. The other reason they do it is to try to force the fans that want to watch it on television to watch it on the right channel. Exactly. So, like, if... Now... I have a regular sports package, just a basic cable. I have all of Sportsnet and I have all of TSN. So with the regional games during the week are typically on TSN. And they come in fine. They come in just fine. They might be distributed to you on a Rogers game package of some kind, but they're TSN for me, which is a competitor of Rogers. Yep. And uh, the, the, the option I used to take in the past uh, when I was faced with the territorial problem was watch the game in French because the, yes. the, the the territorial limits didn't seem to apply in French to the degree that they applied in English. So uh, I could not, for instance, watch a Toronto Maple Leafs game uh, that I wanted to watch. And I, believe it or not, fans, I do want to watch the occasional Toronto Maple Leafs game. Uh, <laughs> but I could switch to the French channel and watch it there, no problem. So, okay. And that, when we live closer, that's a lot. That's what we would do a lot of time. We would just watch the game in French. I actually enjoy watching the game in French. Me more too. Far, than, far than better. English. Far better. So, and I barely understand <laughs> the damn language. So. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I understand can, hockey French, but. Uh. Yeah, but you can still get the excitement. I yes. Mean, the, the French announcers are, bar none, the most knowledgeable announcers in the game. Uh, they they know, and they, especially for Montreal games, they are totally all in on being uh, a member of the Montreal Canadiens media network. And yep. so they know everybody. Uh, they, they feel every every check uh, in their own chest and uh, uh, they're, they're just awesome. The, the way they can uh, call a game with the excitement. Like, I'll just give you an example. I was watching uh, the Buffalo game uh, last night or yesterday and uh, Rick Jenrette was, I mean, he sounds like they almost had to wake him up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he really needed some coffee and uh, he, he just, he was like garbling his words and he was, and I just wonder, like, is this, is this, this is Buffalo. This is a sports city. I mean, they, they've made it all the way to their final, to the championship uh, final game of their division in the NFL. And, like, they get sports coming out of their pores everywhere in Buffalo. And really? I know. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Like, I, even when he was excited back in the day, uh, you know, he obviously had quirks and things that were difficult for me. But now that he's not excited, and he's not, he's not excited. And even when Buffalo scores, okay, and they score. Yeah, it's some of some of these announcers, uh, like Jack Edwards. As much as I dislike Jack Edwards, he's fairly decent at calling the game, and he does get it. He'll he'll he will display some excitement if the other team scores sometimes. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. he's a good speaker. I like his voice. I just don't like the th a lot of things that come out of his mouth. <laughs> Well, yeah, and like he's he's a hometown sportscaster, yeah. which is encouraged in the United States. It's not as much encouraged in Canada. So what we have up here is we have a bunch of broadcasters who are not really encouraged to be supporters of the team that they're covering. Uh, but yet on the national broadcast, whenever they put a crew in Toronto, uh, it, they support Toronto, even if they don't know they're doing it. Because yep. when when Toronto has uh, when Toronto has a penalty against it, they call that the penalty kill. <laughs> they don't call it the power play for the other guys. It's yeah, the penalty kill. Like it, it, and, and they don't even know they're doing it. So they're just 
Like it makes me mad that uh, that every other team in Canada, other than Toronto, essentially has to be covered as if it's supposedly 50 percent, fifty percent, and totally neutral. We're down in the states, the Jack Edwards of the worlds and the Jenrettes and the others. Um, they're allowed to be fans of their team, and I think, why not? There's why nothing not? wrong with it. It's nothing just, wrong with it. When it, when those broadcasts are national broadcasts, it's frustrating. It really is. It really is. Um, like I, I what I like to see, for instance, if if you look at the NHL uh, network post game wrap ups and and things, you can watch the feed. Like, let's say it's a Montreal-Ottawa game or a Montreal-Calgary game. You can watch the Montreal broadcast of that game, or you can watch the Calgary broadcast of that game. Yes. And I kind of like that. With the regional, you're allowed a little more partisanship. Yeah. And and it's the same game being covered in the same language by two different crews. And you might get two different takes on how the game went. But uh, I don't know. I just wish the Montreal broadcasting situation, at least on the English side, was a little more settled than it is. One day it's Dan Robertson. One day it's John Bartlett. One day it's Chris Cuthbert. One day it's... Whoever, like, just give me a break. Yeah, and stop yeah. the blackouts. Yeah, stop the blackouts. The NHL and media companies kind of act like a drug cartel, and the drug is hockey. They need it, it really is. And they could fix it by, let's say in the case of Rogers, um, if you don't have cable that, that subscribes to the TSN package or the Rogers package on your regular tier of cable, your sports package or whatever, mm-hmm. then if you're watching Rogers center ice or whatever they call it uh you should be able to access that game and they should just show you the feed you would have got if you had cable yeah i mean i have i have cable i have fiber up whatever i can technically watch all the montreal canadians games but i don't i never watch tv like it's not it's not it's not even hooked up it's over there unplugged in my room it's not even downstairs uh on my tv or upstairs in my bedroom tv i just don't i just don't have it hooked up i don't watch tv and i'm not going to go to a different room to watch a hockey game when I watch all my hockey right here on my computer. I can do stuff at the same time and whatnot. And it's just, uh, it's just frustrating. But, uh, I mean, I, I have all the games except for the game that I want to watch, which is my favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens. So it needs to stop. I'm saying I, I have watched Montreal games in my computer, but what I do is I log into the bell five, uh, service. And watch them that way. They actually, it works perfectly. It's full HD, good sound, everything. So yeah, that's a good point. That I is, we could do that. <laughs> it is an option. It is an option. <laughs> Never thought of that. But you got to work for it, man. You got to work for it. That's right. <laughs> too many, too many avenues. Uh, okay, moving on. So, a very scary injury. Actually, a couple of scary injuries that happened recently, uh, just in the past couple yeah. of days. But Sean Walker took a puck to the face from a Matt Dumba slap shot. Did you see this? I did. I did. He just he left the ice pouring blood it was very difficult to watch and someone posted a photo afterwards of his face i didn't see that it is unbelievable he has an entire eye that is completely shut his nose is literally two or three times the size as it normally is his entire face on one side is all swollen up i don't i don't i don't know his specific injury i don't even know if they announced it yet if they did i missed it but i have to assume at least a broken nose at the very least a broken nose if not some kind of bone in the face or something. Uh, now, was, and he was wearing a visor, right? I'm not sure. I think he. I think he was. And in fact, I think they all have to now, don't they? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't maybe know. not. But but I think when I first saw him get hit, like I didn't see a close up, and I didn't. Other than him skating off the ice with the uh, with the line behind him, the red line, uh, mm. I didn't see anything else. But I'm quite sure he had a visor. But that might not help. It might actually make things worse. The visor could flex, and actually, it could maybe cause a cut worse than the puck would have caused yeah who knows or the puck could have got up inside it uh, if your head was up oh yeah. yeah scary stuff um kevin fiala of minnesota suspended three games for boarding on matt roy of the la kings so fiala laid a pretty dangerous hit against matt roy uh suspended three games by the nhl in my personal opinion kevin fiala is not a dirty player at least in my memory i don't remember him doing anything crazy um, so three games in a 56-game season seems a bit severe because in an 82-game season, if you take those three, that's likely more like a five- or six-game suspension. I know they're trying to crack down on some things, but it just seems a little bit too severe for me. It was a bad hit. He deserves to get suspended. 
But yeah, it was a bad hit. But Brian Burke made a good point. I don't know if you watched Berkey last night. I did not. But he made a good point on that hit and the hits like that in general, as opposed to other ways that players could, could neutralize each other along the boards. And Don Cherry used to make this point too, back before he was banned from television. Uh, what what Don Cherry said, and, and even what Berkey said last night, if you're going in with somebody into the boards like that, uh, you really, to, to protect them, you should probably try to give them some kind of a br embrace or a hug Yep. as you go in with them. But now, uh, so many officials are calling that a holding penalty. Yes, that's true. They see your arms around the other player. They're calling that holding. Now, according to Berkey last night, some refs have made their decision and maybe have made it uh, known to the coaches that they're not going to call that kind of a, a hug if it's only for a couple of seconds while you just go in with somebody and then if you let them go. As long as you don't stay on and cling to them right. and impede their progress. But if you can just hug them for the moment of impact and then let them go, that the ref's not going to call out a hold anymore. Not all refs have done that, but but Berkey says the NHL should step in and actually write it in the rule book or make it clear to the official officials that that's okay to do because that, like Fiala, is not a dirty player, as you said. He's the kind of guy that if he had the opportunity to maybe uh, just get his arms around uh, uh, Roy just for a minute, or not even a minute, a half a second, then it might have prevented um, that serious injury that happened and might have prevented the suspension and maybe even a penalty to start with. So it's just another tweak in the game that might help player safety, but at the same time, let players play, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never even thought of that. Um, it, as long as they're consistent in their rulings, go back to the ruling. As long as they're consistent, I have no issue with three games in a 56-game season or five or six games in an 82-game season. But be consistent with your rulings, and that's the... The most frustrating part about the Department of Player Safety in the, in the NHL, you'll see one offense that'll get five games, and then someone else does the same thing a week later. But maybe both don't have past history, and that person gets two games or one game or doesn't get anything. It just It's so aggravating as a fan, so they just need to be consistent. It's just like yeah. a big wheel that they spin. Oh, seven games, and then oh, one game. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> um, moving on to a potential suspension, Dylan Dubé hit uh, Yasperi Kakaniemi up high. In my opinion, I'll, we haven't talked about this, I don't know your opinion, but in my opinion, this is a 50-50 situation. Uh, Kakaniemi had his head down and was in a completely vulnerable position, didn't didn't look at, and uh, look at his surroundings and see what was going on, and Dubé didn't even try to not hit him up high. It almost looked like he not intentionally tried to injure him, but intentionally tried to completely level him. And in my opinion, it was directly to the head. And uh, with everything that's happened in the past five years, it's just kind of odd that a player would even lay that hit. Because there was time to avoid, and there was a time to change your mind. So mm. I, yeah. to me, this is a suspension-worthy hit by definition of the rule. I'm, I'm trying to take this hat off when I discuss that uh, a little bit. But uh, when I first saw it happen in real time, I thought, man, he's gone. He's done. Uh, I mean, I meant uh, not Kakanyemi. <laughs> I meant Dubé. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kakanyemi was done. But I thought, oh, yeah, Dubé's finished. Uh, he won't He won't uh, see the end of this game or maybe next game. Who knows? But then when I saw the more replays I saw, it's right behind the net. There's yep. less opportunity to move out of the way, for one thing. He doesn't have the same amount of latitude that he can avoid. He still could have avoided. I don't dispute your point there. But also, Kakanyemi was bent over a little bit. He was down. His head was lower than it normally would be, I think. Yep. He was maybe a foot shorter overall than he normally would have been if he'd been standing straight on the ice. So that puts his head down into the danger zone where Dubé was right there. I just think the play happened so fast. When, with Dubé coming around behind like that, it's not like he lined him up. I just don't think Dubé had the time to get out of the way fully. That that would have avoided that uh, being what it turned out to be. Mm -hmm. No question, it was it was direct contact with the head. The head got hit first. It was accidental, inadvertent, but maybe to take that type of play out of the game, they needed to do something supplementarily for that. However, uh, I have heard this morning that they don't intend to do anything further about that. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I heard it on the news this morning. So perhaps, uh, like, I'm actually okay with it. I, I'm I'm not okay with the hit, but I'm okay with it not being supplemental discipline. 
because I really don't think it developed in the way that 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 suggests there should be a punishment for it. Hmm. By the definition of the rule and the update from the Department of Player Safety moving into this year, uh, to me, I don't know how they don't suspend him for something. I just, it, if they don't, it, it walks back on their rule, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, I like the hit. Like, it, it was exciting, and I want to see more of that stuff, just a little lower, but at the same speed and the same intensity. Uh, but yeah, but Gary Gary Galley thought it was a clean hit in the broadcast last night. However, Gary Galley also said that Michael Ryder was playing for the Canadians. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ryder hasn't played in the NHL since 2015 and hasn't played for the Canadians since 2013, almost a decade ago. So it's funny. not really I'll, putting a lot of validity in uh, Gary Galley's opinion. <laughs> no. Well, any sentence that starts with Gary Galley said, I just kind of go, <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah. I check out mentally. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I have... No use. Uh, Gary Galley should be calling all the Ottawa games and, and be there with all of his Ottawa friends and, yeah. and pump, pump up the Ottawa Senators all he, all he wants. He should not be on the broadcast of any other hockey team. I agree. Because his, his, his fandom for Ottawa is probably legit, but his knowledge of hockey is not. Sorry. Oh, and, yeah. He de- he, you're right. He definitely has tight pants for Ottawa. <laughs> you know, but I got to say, like, as much as it surprises me to, to still say this once again this this season as as i was last season i am so unbelievably impressed with the hockey knowledge and the ability to see the play that kevin bxa shows on his analysis in these games dude kevin bx is amazing he is unbelievable and i had him pegged just as a kind of a b-level hockey player a bit of a goon guy you know not a sean avery type not that bad but really not not uh a guy that's really got a big sense for where people should be in the ice and that kind of stuff. But I am so wrong about him, or I was. Uh, he is he is awesome. He's probably the best analyst to break down a play and show where people should have been. And like that, he, he broke down a faceoff last night in one of his analysis uh, pieces and where a guy just, you know, kicked back the puck to, and, and it was a quick goal. Uh, like he saw stuff that I never would have seen. And I've been watching hockey for over half a century. Uh, but man, he's he's something else. I'm a yeah. big fan. I'm a big fan. He he's not only smart, but he's got personality. Oh yeah. And I think that adds a lot to that panel. And uh, yeah. I, he's my favorite one on the panel right now. And, and me too. And they feed off him. And I think they it do. was Elliot. I think it was Elliot Friedman that said, "Hey, there's way too much Kevin BX love in this segment going on right now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, moving on to the last bit of news in my notes is the uh, Marco Rossi situation. So he has re- completely returned to Austria. Do you know? Did you hear about this? No, I did not. Okay, so Minnesota Wild forward Marco Rossi, the ninth pick in the NHL 2020 draft, has returned to Austria to rest with his family due to complications from COVID-19, uh, the team announced Saturday. There are no further details about the 19-year-old's illness. The Wild announced on January 10th that Rossi would be sidelined and definitely due to an upper body injury. So... Marco Rossi did have COVID-19, I can't remember what month it was, but it was in the fall, I believe, and uh, he's still not recovered. Like, I'm assuming it has to do with his lungs or something, but uh, it just goes to show you that you don't need to be 85 years old to be affected by COVID-19. You can be 19 years old. This kid is 19 years old, and uh, yeah, he didn't die, and if he got it again, he probably wouldn't die, but it still affected him, and he can't even, he can't even play hockey anymore, or right now, because of it. So that's, that's very, very scary. Yeah, it's, it is scary because there's a lot of potential there. So hopefully he recovers soon and uh, gets back, uh, gets back to being able to support the team. But that's all I got. What do you got? Well, just uh, continuing on the disabled or injury front. Uh, did you see the, the early play in the Carolina game where Morazic had to skate off the ice at high speed? I did. That was a strange one. I thought maybe he uh, dislocated his shoulder at first, but then from the, the top-down view, he was shaking his arm and sh- to get his glove off. So I, I realized that he probably wouldn't be able to do that, to do that with a sep- separated shoulder. Yeah. So then I, I thought it might be a wrist. And, and some people were thinking wrist as well, uh, and maybe even worse, a, a cut wrist off a skate or something when, uh, when McCormick hit him. His own player, too. That makes it hurt all the worse. Yeah. But it... Someone said, I didn't see it. I just saw him uh, with McCormick going into the net with him, him looking down and then skating off the ice at high speed. 
Now, I, I remember when Clint Malarchuk skated off the ice at high speed. Oh, because yeah. Because he had basically severed a carotid artery or something. And there was blood everywhere. But in this case, there was no blood. So yeah, I didn't see well, any blood. What's with that? But he skated off the ice and through the open door and just ran right down the tunnel. Someone said this morning that they saw a slow motion replay when he took his glove off. Apparently, his thumb wasn't pointing in the right direction. Oh. Oh, yeah. So that could be really, really... It, it could be a long-term thing because goalies, their hands are more important probably for them than they are for you know your average bear because if it's, the, if it's the hand that holds the stick, the thumb would be very important in maneuvering the stick. The thumb is also important in the catching net. So... Uh, I don't know. Uh, they just they just said upper body, and uh, they didn't know about a return. Uh, so I don't know if it's broken or dislocated or how long it'll take to get him back out on the ice. That's a little scary. And for Carolina, scary. of all teams, Carolina, like, are we going to bring in like a peewee goalie again, or what's going to happen? There? <laughs> anyway, I, need, I just need to look up something real quick. Sure. There's a the story that is factual. Uh, Dan Blackburn. Okay, so he he injured his glove hand. I think it was his wrist, and he couldn't angle his uh, his arm or his wrist to have his glove open. But he did want to retire from hockey, so he actually played with two blockers for for a bit. So that's something I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a picture of it actually. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah, there's there's a there's a couple of pictures of it. I think he maybe even played in the AHL for a bit, maybe. Um, I can't quite remember. Uh, but if you look online, you'll you'll see it. It's just I will. crazy, eh? Imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is nuts. But it's amazing what people can do to compensate. Uh, there was a baseball pitcher. I forget his name, but he he was a pitcher who I think. He didn't have both arms all the way. I think he just had like a, a throwing hand and the rest was like not all there. He didn't have a hand on the other side. Okay. So he, so he held his glove basically underneath his armpit while he pitched. And then as soon as he get rid of the ball, he would get the glove and be able to field. Like really? That. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember who that is. I'm sure there'd be comments that, that disclose the guy's name and stuff. But he was successful. He was a That's successful baseball player. Uh, and who would have thought? Uh, mm. The ironic thing about the Morassic injury last night is not too long after that, in the same game, Max McCormick, the player who hit him or went into him in the net, he also had an injury and he skated off the ice at high speed. Yes. And, and I don't know what his was or what the deal is there, but but he's out for a while now too. It's just weird. Yeah, that looked like a dislocated or separated shoulder. Yeah. Because he was kind of holding it a little bit. So Someone who saw him in the dressing room afterwards, I think it might have been a player, said... Uh, it looks worse, and it is worse. So dang, <laughs> yikes! That's not good. Yeah, and of course, Josh Anderson came out of the game in Montreal last night. Uh, early on, frankly, um, at first the announcers were talking about it as if he'd had some kind of injury, but they couldn't really find a replay that showed any injury. Mm. But but then later on, it was determined that he had flu-like symptoms. Uh, they they gave him a COVID nineteen test, must have been a rapid test, and he passed that. But uh, uh, probably the abundance of precaution reason. Yes. Uh, he's not going to be on for a little while yet. And they're probably trying to figure out what's going on with him. I mean, flu-like symptoms could be a multitude of things. He may have straight up, he might have the poops and uh, they, maybe he ate something wrong. And technically you have to report that as a flu-like symptom because that is kind of one of the symptoms. It is. Diarrhea. Yeah. Um, I wonder oh. how many... Hopefully, I'm just like I know one of the other symptoms is loss of smell. Hopefully, <laughs> if you have the poops, you have loss of smell at the same time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, or maybe you want smell in case something squeaks out and you need to know it's there or not. And if you didn't get no smell, then you're gonna need to rely on a buddy. <laughs> but uh, oh boy, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there are times in the NHL where players have digestive issues and need to leave a game or aren't playing at their peak performance. Uh, well, I, I know it's happened in lower leagues. Uh, I remember in the New Brunswick Senior Hockey League, I was at a game in Renews, and uh, I won't name the player because I actually know him. And uh, I, I spoke to him not too long ago, actually, uh, because he works here in town where I am. 
but anyway, uh, there was a big party the night before, and he was he crouched over getting ready for one of the early face-offs in the game, and I was close enough to the ice I could hear him say to one of his buddies, I think I just crapped my pants. <laughs> but, but he didn't say crap. Of he course. Said, he said a more graphic word, yeah. and he skated off the ice at high speed. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Oh dear. Poor guy. Yeah. Anyways, we'll hopefully know more about Josh Anderson soon. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so. Um, it, it's going to be a, a tough go for a lot of teams. They're playing a fairly compressed guest schedule. The NHL has built in some leeway time in case they have to play postponed games. There's already been a raft of postponed games that they're left to make up. So there'll be lots of, uh, two games and three night situations that maybe weren't on the original schedule. Yep. Uh, that could account for uh, some of the oddball scheduling that we see now with like 14 games in one night and only one game the next. At least mm. that day is, is opened up now for uh, the scheduling of postponed games. They do it in baseball all the time. Yeah, that's so true. So hockey, hockey will have to learn how to do that too. And uh, I, I do think, and you know, I, we're not talking about individual games or individual teams, but I do think any team that made a smart move and got two good goalies to be their tandem going into the regular season was a very smart team. You're talking about Montreal? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It was definitely one of Montreal's smarter moves. Yeah. Uh, and they, they might lose Allen to the lottery draft. but Oh, uh, dear. And, you know, as uh, as frustrated as I am with last night's game, and we're not talking about the game, Jake Allen was stellar. He was awesome. Oh, my God, he was so good. Like, they just didn't give him any help. And, yeah. uh, and every time, they, they took like 37 shots on on uh calgary but they all the shots are right here like yeah. jonathan jonathan Drewan is perfect at hitting this target right here and dano is perfect at shooting 30 feet over the net on a three yeah. on one yeah oh well, don't get but me Markstrom, started markstrom played am- amazing he was very very good last night he regardless was really of good montreal's he, inability to uh hit the net or be accurate yeah. with their shots he's very good he's very good um yeah. so i think that wraps up everything that's all i got all right Well, thanks, Dad, for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for watching. Hit the subscribe button so you can see these types of videos every single Sunday. Hockey News of the Week. Sorry again about the podcast. We'll get that hopefully fixed in April. And, uh, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. Appreciate it. Catch you in the next one. Adios.